I said, empty your mind. Be formless, shapeless, like water. It's about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. Join movement expert Aaron Alexander as he dives into the minds of the foremost innovative healthcare thinkers on their approach to optimal health and wellness. Online Podcast. Welcome back to the Line Podcast. My name is Aaron Alexander. Today's gorgeous episode is with my dear friend, Miss Sue Hitzman. Sue is absolute legend, pioneer in the world of self-care, uh, connective tissue, specifically working with fascia and research around such topics. So this conversation, we go into some of those realms, um, emotions and such being stored in the body, and a lot of really good stuff. I hope you devour this conversation. Check out her most recent book, Melt Performance. Um, she's the founder of Melt Method. Uh, I recommend checking out her workshops. They're all over the place. There's practitioners all over the world. Um, really good stuff. Thanks so much for tuning to the website, alignpodcast.com, A-L-I-G-N podcast.com. On there, you can start the five-day movement challenge. Super simple, right on the homepage. And five fundamental movement practices I think everybody ought to have in their daily existence. Got a review on here from Mr. or Miss Tort1981 saying to us, one of my favorite go-to podcasts, I guess I should preface, I'm reading a review from iTunes right now. Uh, I enjoy learning from the different guests on the show as well as from Aaron. Great info. Point. Thank you so much for that tort. Um, really appreciate y'all's reviews on here. It's quite meaningful. Um, so if you do, good chance I might read them on this, this thing. Um, thank you so much to Ned for supporting this podcast. Ned is a really rad CBD company. Um, they create some of the finest CBD oils that I have come across. Uh, it's all cold extracted. It's all single source from really rad farm in Colorado. The community around the company is really excellent. You can get yourself 15% discount using the Align code. Go to helloned.com slash align for 15% percent off of your purchase. Um, thank you all for grabbing the Align Method online program, the Align Band, all that stuff. Appreciate your support. Here we go. Back to the Shazal with the beautiful Sue Hitzman. Pow. Align Podcast. Say some things. What would you eat for breakfast? Uh, your underwear? I, I had I had some avocado for breakfast oh, and then I drove myself over to see Aaron Alexander. A A Ron. And here I am. That's how you pronounce that. Here we are. Oh, are you gonna A-A. do sultry podcast voice the whole no, time? No, because <laughs> I'm just gonna keep my voice down a little bit because I have to talk and I've almost lost my voice here now every day for the last five days. Oh right. Why do you think that is? Be- because I had a healing session that was pretty freaking rock solid and uh, we worked on my voice and uh, trying to get gangster on shit that's happening, pretty much. What do you think of the whole, like, chakra system and different kind of emotional associations to different parts of your body? And I mean, those are kind of two separate ideas or questions, but they're also... You know, in the studies that I've done, I think that, it, you know, when I was trying to discover what, you know, like what energy is and channeling and, you know, what is that frequency that I feel when I touch things... Um, those are things that I definitely am interested in. Is this guy on? No, let's turn that let's on. Let's turn too. that mofo on. Yeah. Oh, look at that finger. My finger looks so ridiculous. God, this being a human is ridiculous. Look at that. That's the creepiest thing. Hey, everybody. Sue Hudson, creator of the Melt Method, here with Alex. <laughs> Aaron Alexander's my name. No big deal. Don't worry about it. It's not a big deal. It's just my name. <laughs> 
So we're here doing the podcast, and I thought, why not do a Facebook Live simultaneously and do a simultaneous podcast with Aaron? Simulive. Yeah, and you know, with Align, and uh, he's got a new book coming out in December, and uh, I just have to tell you, Aaron, it's always just so inspiring when I meet people who are so on the same kind of trajectory of putting out this positive information to people and sharing their stories and transforming people's lives through their own self-learning and their own self-sharing. I think it's amazing what you're doing and I'm just excited to Hmm. know you. Likewise. Yeah. Complete, exactly, right back at you. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty freaking epic fist bumping. Yeah. Where do you, where does that come from for you? We were talking about some things before, but like, do you have any sense of how that manifests the need to want to put out well information for me i think you know i went through so much of my life being told to be quiet and not and nobody wanted to hear from me and you know why why do you keep asking questions and just go back to your room like stop stop why do you have to do that you know like always kind of pushing the words out of my mouth down and um growing up with a little bit of anxiety when I would be in groups, I would get very nervous. Like even yesterday when I had to go, you know, when you weren't at that party and I went to that meet you. That was courageous. I literally I'm sat, glad you did that. I, I sat in the car for a minute. I was like, maybe I should wait for him. Maybe I, maybe I shouldn't go in yeah, there. You did it. What, what if everybody starts staring at me? I'll get really, really nervous. I'll go running out, you know, but no. And I just said, you know what? I'm going to go up to the first person who looks me in the eye and say, hi, I'm Sue and see what happens. And everybody was so nice there. It was super easy. And then you yeah. showed up like five minutes later. So, yeah. Yeah. but yeah, so I, I think that for me, um, it's a it's a it's an amazing opportunity to come from a time when uh, I was afraid to speak my mind and speak my truth because I thought either I would destroy myself or the people around me with my voice. Um, to then being someone who really found and discovered something that I thought was so important and thought it was so important for me to share this with people um, because it transformed my life to put that out to people and then having those people embrace it and not sit there and say, you know, she's a quackadoodle and stop listening to that lady and know what she's talking about to kind of being curious. And I think that's why I'm here. Mm. What about you? Mm. Well, I think it's like we were talking about before of the growing up and like we all have trauma to different degrees. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think it's like, you know, I think of like your, your body, your, your mind, yourself, your organism, it's kind of like a computer and it interprets information. Yeah. You know, and so everybody, we can interpret stress in different ways. So when you see a scene or I see a scene, we go through a certain situation, it's the actual interpretation of it is based off of the filter that we receive that information, you know, and so growing up. It's really well said. Oh, thanks. I, I felt like it was, it was a bit uh, no. verbose. <laughs> <laughs> it really makes a lot of sense, actually, you know? You know, yeah. and so that's, and, and so growing up, uh, that's where you're just talking about, like, the introduction of the book and talking about, like, sharing stories of, of kind of hard times and how you interpret that that experience. Yeah, and overcome it. Yeah, and I, I don't think Learn there's... from it. I don't think there's too many people that I've... I'm connected with that are doing interesting things and kind of, like, thinking outside of the box mm. that didn't have some background that was kind of tumultuous... I agree. You know, I mean, and for me, I always say like, you know, I don't have a lot of experience with, you know, certain types of, of issues in, growing up in childhood. I didn't have an alcoholic parent. I didn't have drugs in my family. I just had a crazy mother. And a no, that's of, not just. So someone, someone abu- like a very abusive father uh, in, in, in words, you know, like I never got really beaten, although we had the belt and things like that. But the, 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 the beatings were less acute than the, than the, 
mental warfare that I think I had to deal with. And I remember as a kid, um, you know, coming up with these ideas, like, oh, I wanted to do something. I wanted to create something. And my dad would figure out every which way to tell me how stupid it was and what a dumb thing that was. And I came up with the realization that like, maybe I shouldn't tell him any of my ideas. I should just go do the thing and then I'll show him how great it is of what I did and then I'll get the love and I'll get the approval. And then I would do that and then he'd be like, big deal. You know, it's like, ah, I could never win, you know? <laughs> and so then I just, I, you know, even if, um, if I asked permission to do something and then always had the, no, you know, it was just always no means no. And then if I push and I said, well, why can't I do that? Because I've, d- I've done my chores. I've done this. I've done that. Why can't I do these things? And he said, because I said so. And I'd be like, but why? And he'd be like, now you're grounded. Now you can go to your room and figure out why I said no. So it was always mental warfare. And, and again, I kind of learned to navigate through my life flying under the radar, um, not being seen and just kind of doing things and then being satisfied with the fact that I had accomplished something that I set my mind out to do. Uh, and, and that's kind of, I think how even this whole thing got to where it is. It's just, I just went and did it and didn't care. You know, we, we, I'm sure you did. We, we, in our brain, we process in the same part, um, rejection as we do pain. Yes. And emotions and past memories and future intentions are all processed in the exact same part of the brain where we produce pain too. Yeah. 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 So it's, it's interesting. We start like, well, no one ever actually, you know, beat me per se, but like literally neurologically, it's like, it's all the same stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I think also we, we end up, uh, exp- you know, expressing ourselves in a way where I think sometimes we're saying things because of a past memory or, you know, like you're with somebody and they're saying something to you and you feel your hands start to grip as they're talking. And it's like, (laughs) God, I'm really having like an aggressive, like I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm going to get annihilated. Why is it I'm having that feeling? If we just took that moment to ask that question, why, my God, I'm really having a feeling about this. And then you think, well, why wouldn't I, you know, like if it was a man, I think of myself, like when I used to go in front of my boss, I'd be like, I need a raise. You need to give it to me. I've done really good. You know, you can't say no. And he's like, God, you kind of come in here thinking I'm going to, it sounds like you think the answer is already going to be no. And I'm like, well, isn't it? And he's like, <laughs> no, I think everything you're saying is right. And I thought to myself, why am I saying it like that? And I thought, oh, because every time I went downstairs to talk to my father, I just knew ahead of time. The answer 100% of the time was no. Hmm. And so I was coming up with the, how am I going to formulate the, the, the statement and not ask so that he can't say no? Yeah. And you're like, how do, I, how do I phrase the question? So that, again, like I think those are the things we don't realize is how much our brain is actually processing current information because of some past memory yeah. and, and how, again, how we have relationships, how we cope, how we talk to people is oftentimes just a byproduct of the past. Do we, I think I asked you yesterday if you read The Awakening the Tiger, Peter yeah. Levine. It's like yeah. a classic, really important yeah. book. Um, I'm sure people listening to this would be into it. So, you know, grab it. It's it, But one of the things in there that he talks about is uh, people reliving trauma as a means to actually go back into that healing process right. to, to, you know, when you see animals in nature, like a, a bird runs into a window is the analogy that he uses, mm-hmm. you know, and they go into that immobilized state, like fight, flight, or freeze. Right. They go into that, like ugh, totally knocked out. And when they come back on, they'll go through this like tremorous, convulsive kind of like, ugh, ugh, like releasing of all that yeah. internalized energy yeah. from the trauma. 
for human beings, that's like a very awkward, uncomfortable, socially unacceptable thing to do. That's like right. if your face all of a sudden starts to go out to the side or you start oh, like getting into like your biological self. Yeah. People are like, oh, no, no, clean that up, get some makeup, tighten your, you know, get your buttons right. Oh, yeah. You know, come back in. So we just, we just press that stuff back into ourselves. Yeah. And so what he describes in there is if you don't, if you have that internalized trauma, that charge, then you will sabotage your life essentially as a means to recreate that trauma to, in order to process it all the way out. Mm. Yeah. You I mean, I, I, yeah, I don't know if you know who Liz Cook is. Yeah. She is, you know, she wrote the SOAS book, Love That's Woman. Yeah. Uh, and Got it she, sitting right here. Actually. Yeah. She's fantastic. And, uh, you know, and, and like Emily Conrad and, and this whole um, Bonnie Bridge, Bridge Cohen, you know, like the, these, this uh, continuum type of movement and exploring, you know, vibration or, 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 or subtle movement. And it's interesting how um, people are afraid to go there. Like it's just yeah. a little too out there. Like it's like, oh, we're going back to the 60s with like the weed and the hippie. I'm like, no, no, no. Actually, it's it's not going there. It's it's actually getting you more right now. You know, you got to get yeah. in your body to get out of whatever it is. And we're so into, you know, like these structured things like these hit classes. You know, it's like you've got to do 20 of these and 20 of these and 20 of these push-ups and pull-ups and squats. And it's got to be perfect form. And, blah, blah, blah. and I think, gosh, I think if we got a little more flowy with our body and a little bit more connected i think that dynamically our own thought process would be more flowy yeah you got to remember your social security card and your buddha nature <laughs> i'm gonna quote that your social security you it, card you heard it, you heard it here <laughs> <laughs> i got yes. that i got that from jack cornfield i don't know where he got it from i love that but you got it you got to hold both you know so the zip up you know, Alan Watts talks about like a tie. It's like a noose. It's like, you kind of like, you know, holds you in, you know, and it's like the same thing when you, that's typically, that's kind of more what we want to lean on, you know, cause that's more comfortable because it's socially acceptable. It's right there. You know, that's like in the, in the mold of what we accept. Yeah. But once you start loosening the tie up a little bit and kind of get a little strange, then you start getting into like uncharted territories. Great. Yeah. You know, but what you do, need both. What do, what do you think, you know, with the generation that's coming up today, these teenagers and early 20 year olds that are here um, and, and their movement connection. What do you think? Are we, are we going more toward that or away yeah. from that? You think so? I think for sure. Yeah. I'm in bubbles though. I come from Boulder, Colorado and Hawaii and right. Venice, you know, it's in like the places that I live. We're but, out here in but, California, by the way. Can you, I mean, like it was just raining five minutes ago. Yeah. Uh, it's gorgeous. Yeah, yeah. I'm very happy about that. Yeah. You know, but so I live in bubbles, but I do go to other places and do workshops and, you know, visit whatever. And again, I'm doing a workshop, so I'm going into a little like micro bubble inside the community. But yeah, I think people I see consistently, people are excited to kind of explore more like animal flow type movements and getting yeah. down on the ground. And they, you know, they actually want to experience joy in their bodies. You know, I think that that's something that's, that's, uh, that was like a revelation that I got from my editor, actually. She's like, this book's about experiencing joy in your body, Aaron. I'm yes. like, oh, shit, you're right. That's what it is. That's beautiful. <laughs> yeah, and so, so for, for the people that are listening on, on my Facebook Live, the, the new Align book that's coming yeah. out in December, what do you, like, tell, tell, tell everybody a little bit about that. And, like, because, again, you know, to me, this is so in line with so much of the philosophy, I think, that I, you know, I 
put out there and mm. you you're so rooted in that idea of emotions and movements and you're saying that there's these five simple things that people can do yeah well you've been influential with me so it makes sense that it's Appreciate that it's that. that it connects with you thanks yeah <laughs> so, so cool to hear that when yeah, you said that yesterday i was like really yeah 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 I'm so privileged yeah yeah it's a big deal you know not that i not that i get but i mean you're a big deal i think to a lot of people you know so including me um you know, but so yeah, that one of the big interesting points that I think is is the introduction. It is how our posture, our posture, and our personality are not just connected, but they're the same thing. Mm. You know, so when you express a certain posture, say for example, like there's all sorts of studies around. If you're in a hunched over position like this, it's actually easier for you to access negative memories. Negative is a relative word, but things that Brilliant. were like yeah. kind of shitty. You know, if you go into this upright position, you're like, "Wow, I'm winning!" It's easier for you to access positive memories. Again, positive is relative. You know, so you're literally tuning your emotional experience based off of your structure. You know, so I, d I describe your posture as almost, it's like your s internal cells are like reading braille, you know, yeah. so they can, they can feel where you're at in space. They don't see you per se, but they can feel you. Yeah. And when you go into certain positions, it's literally, it's like sending a code, which I think is kind of interesting. And then it gets into like, you know, publishers, need and want and I actually agree with this like ha breaking it down to like five simple things that everybody can do yeah and the things are, are meaningful you know but breaking it down to something that's like tangible bites for people to do as well yeah and there's more to it than that yeah but. when I did my first book it was like you know how to you know transform your body in 10 minutes a day I'm like why only 10 minutes like I mean it's but the thing yeah, is right, that they're like that. well each sequence is 10 minutes I was like but the, the whole point is just just move and do something every day and tune into your body and sense what you feel and then apply and then reassess your body and notice the change. Yep. Like, don't just do stuff with the, like we all think if we ex if we eat right, we exercise, you know, we're going to live this awesome life. We're going to look good. People are going to like us. We're going to be fit. And it's like the dirty little secret of fitness, right? Everybody's freaking injured, joint problems and back pain and they're overweight and they kind of look fat and all these people doing CrossFit and their waistlines are gigantic and they've lost their shape. And I'm like, why on earth? What's the benefit? Like, where are we coming up with the, like, we're so, we're, we're doing things. And if you ask them why, but then the things that they're doing, I don't think are going are the solution like you yep. you don't see the the connect i feel a lot of disconnect but but i get that you know like you got to please the publishers in what they want to do but your message is excellent you know Thanks. i think putting the emotions and i definitely believe that that emotional posturing is like so prevalent you can kind of see it in somebody you know i always say how, how do you know when somebody's sad it's like yeah you can't not see it yeah you, you, you go, have to be come on hug it up and they're like what no yeah come on <laughs> yeah <laughs> All of a sudden, they're crying, and you're like, "Oh boy, there it is." And our um, our facial expressions are universal. There's a guy called Paul Ekman that I've done a podcast with. He's like one of the most cited psychologists in the world, like yeah. one of like top fifty or something like that. Um, and his whole thing was studying facial expressions from people in like Papua New Guinea and all sorts of different different places. So tribes that had never had no access to anybody else. Yeah. And so when they go over there and they see like all those same facial expressions that you or I would do yeah. to indicate the way that we feel, yeah. that's the same in places that have no access to media. Yeah. You know, so all of those patterns as you're moving through your facial, you know, when you, if you put, hold a pencil between your teeth and you smile, it literally makes you feel happier, makes you access positive <laughs> memories, all that stuff. Wait, are you telling me I have to put a pencil in my mouth? No, I'm just saying, I'm just saying. It's, I'm going to put it's a pencil just, in my mouth later just so I can like, smile and the, feel but there's happy. These, but there's these universal patterns that of your 
of your posture that affects the way that you think and the way that you feel. Yeah. You know, and there's also universal patterns of your movement mechanics that you'll see throughout dance, you'll th- see throughout martial arts, you see throughout weightlifting. Any like meaningful movement expression, you'll see consistent trends through all of that. And then we get lost in the minutia of all like the fine details, the leaves coming off of it. But the base, like the trunk of all the practices is like, you know, you can, you can learn the trunk. Yeah. You know, what do you think are some of the the foundational movements for people? Well, I mean, for me, I think everybody should get on the ground and get in quadruped position because I think you got to get back. If you want to walk better, I think you got to figure out how to get, how to crawl and kind of find different different joints moving in different ways than what you're uh, you know into um i think moving the opposite of forward is always better like going Hmm. into rib length um moving sideways uh side bending rotation i think that these are uh, things to explore because we're always into that flex position you know and if you think of everything going in from fetal pose to startle pose it's like well what's what's in between yeah and i think we kind of have to explore the the whole you know in between of it and yeah i think i think there's like a soul level of all of this that just needs to be expressed mm. it's hard well, to speak of what do you think what do you think of the developmental patterns you know going into like cross crawl positions Absolutely. and rolling over and all that stuff yeah actually in the in in the new melt performance book i talk about the fact that you know when you're a baby nobody taught you how to roll over lift up your head, uh, get into that point where they kind of extend their back and then they get into quadruped and they're like, oh my God, they do this rocking thing, this this (laughs) breathing sound. And I say, you know, that's part of what's developing the rooted core and the activation of the core reflexes that that babies naturally do. And then, you know, they're getting up and all of a sudden they're walking and then they're running and you can't catch up with them anymore. But all of these components, I always say, if you think of the brain developing movement patterns, like opening up a file cabinet, you, you go to, you know, staples and you get the blue folders and the red folders and the yellow folders and green folders. You get that little thing to make all your nice little labels, flexion, extension, side bending, rotation, abduction, adduction. And each time you do a movement, neurons are starting to fire together. And as they fire together, they wire together and you start creating these hard lined flexion, extension, side bending, adduction, abduction, and then they become dynamic. And then you're moving. Now you're moving voluntarily, not involuntary when the babies kind of gyrate, but you're actually voluntarily wanting to get that thing. The brain is seeing something. It's shiny. I want it. And the want and the impetus to get that thing is part of what develops those primary patterns and the primal primal movements that we have. And from the ages of zero and two, that's the point when you're, you've got this nice file cabinet. But then by the time you get like five or six, you're now mirroring your parents. And if yep. your parents aren't squatting down to pick things up and they're hinging at their hips, well, yep. sure enough, you start hinging at your hips. And it's or, kind of... Yeah not, yeah, not hinging at your hips. Or not Exactly. Yep. And so now you're taking like your blue folder and your red folder and you're making a purple folder. You're taking the green folder and the yellow folder, you're making kind of like a lighter lime green and... After a while, you're just opening up the file cabinet, putting papers on the top and closing it and figure your file later. And now what you get are compensatory motions that look a lot alike and your brain can't quite figure out what's the difference between flexing your hip to walk upstairs or flexing your hip to bend over. And that's how I think people get a lot of back pain is just the sensory motor control declines. The motor patterns start to get very compensated. And after a while, you just you wreck your joints because the joint centralization isn't available for you anymore. Um, and now you're going down to an orthopedic surgeon who's like, let's remove the joint. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, wait a minute. 
Yeah. What do you think about adults going back into those developmental patterns, like starting off as babies, essentially, because they've had so much of a gap yes. between that that now it's almost like they're like a blank. They're like back to a fetal position because that's what our our world, you know, even as, as, a, as a child, you go into like, you know, a child seat in a car and then you go into a, you know, a stroller and then, you know, like your life regresses thing. you back into the fetal position yeah. and then you go into school and you're back in the fetal position at your desk. And, yeah. then, and then when you die, you get all curled up too, you know, you so yeah. You, you start in fetal, you end in fetal. So yeah. is there, is it, would it be a relevant thing to get people to go essentially back into those developmental patterns? I, I think it is. And actually, like in the Mel Performance book, what, what we do is we're really talking about hip stabilization, shoulder girdle stabilization. And this, when you really understand about neuronal patterning, neuronal pathways, that we, we, jump, we don't think about stability. Right. We don't really think about movement. You, you want to go get that thing. You get up and you go get that thing. You're not right. sitting there going, hmm, how am I going to stabilize my hip to get off this chair? I'm going to have to think about that for a second. You know, you have to think about it until you do. Right. When I say to my mom, hey, ma, come here. She's like her 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 words are. Can't you come here? I mean, her brain is thinking, how can I not have to move? That's yeah. what she's doing. She doesn't know that that's what's happening, but that's what's happening. So there is a, a patterning thing that we need to restore. So I just believe that, you know, if you get quiet and you stop thinking so gross anatomy and so big and you actually do get small and you get very m mobile about things, I think it's a great place to start. Um, melt doesn't quite go that far in, into it. We do things where we're setting, it's all about the setup of a position because there are particular angles and particular positions where if you activate them, they are so primary in that motion, the onset of getting something with the arm and then creating just a subtle bit of motion, it can actually repattern um, those those neurons to fire in a new way uh, so that they wire together differently. And I think you can really restore uh, connection to the body in a really profound way. And then if I think if you invite people to do things like what you're talking about, you know, really getting getting little, like getting on the ground and getting yeah. yourself into a fetal pose and trying to unravel yourself. And, you know, I mean, in, in body work, you know, I mean, I've unbirthed or rebirthed people. Uh, I've, I've rebirthed babies uh, who had trauma during birthing and you watch them <laughs> wind their bodies back on their own, wind their bodies back up into the fetal pose and then push themselves back out. And it is just the most incredible thing you'll ever see. It And, and it's just the invitation of getting back into where they were and letting them unravel themselves from whatever that trauma was. And if you Damn. can get that in a baby, I think it's transformative. Watching an adult do it is pretty wicked. I've had people fall off my table doing it. Um, but you have to be open to doing that. And I think that that's very vulnerable. And I think that that's the thing that I, and I think you do that in your book too. I think that that's what I did in my book also is that we get kind of vulnerable in who we are and um, how we developed. And I think sharing that and, inviting people to be vulnerable in their bodies, I think is part of the first step of transformation. Yeah. Really? So that's kind of like the Peter Levine waking the tiger. Yes. Essentially you're like giving people the container to go back into that trauma in order to, to, to open the hallway up to release it. That's right. And then your body starts squirreling out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so where is that? Where is the squirrel out? Like where does it exist? How do you, how do you access that for a person that for most people listening, they're probably like, what the hell are they talking about? <laughs> How do you get squirrely? Yeah. What the hell do does that mean? The squirrely, squirrely part. Of you. Assuming you probably do have some type of strange. Something to do with Caddyshack? Strange, what are you talking traumatic about? Traumatic shit inside yourself. Like, how does a one start to? And maybe you don't necessarily even need to like go into like convulsive fetal twist thing on a massage table. Like maybe you can do in little like titrates. Yeah. Drop. I, drop I really it out. just think go slow. 
go slow. Like I think transformation isn't an overnight thing. Um, I think that healing happens over time. I think that um, if you're looking for a quick fix to transform your life, you're, you're in an uphill battle. Like you're already working against your own mind's way. Um, minds develop, thoughts develop, processes develop, connections develop uh, through time. And, yeah. you know, and again, time is relative to everyone. But I think that, uh, you know, knowing who we are when, you know, I've had people say, you don't know who you are. And I'm like, well, I don't, okay, if you say so. Um, and maybe that's true. I don't know who I am. Uh, who am I? I don't know. That's, you know. Like, let's go to a shaman and ask him. Maybe he'll know who I am. You know, but to me, I like knowing who you are. And what makes, what brings joy to your life? What brings happiness to your life? Uh, stop being a yeah, butter. Do you know what I'm saying? Like mm -hmm. people who are just in the yeah, but, oh uh, yeah, but I've got kids. I don't have time. I can't, I can't focus on myself because, and I think that that's the, that's the squirrel is that when you start poking into that piece of it of like, tell me more, tell me more. Really what it is, is I don't love myself. I'm not happy with myself. I'm going to deprive myself because I'm not good enough. And I think when people finally get to that point, that's where transformation, kind of, sometimes it can unravel someone. But I think if you have the tools and again, you go slow into those realizations that all these excuses that you've been making are really your way of mm, never really getting into who you are and what you are and what you want to be um, to have joy. Mm. Uh, joy, joy, is, joy is a practice. I don't, yeah. I don't think it just comes. I think you have to practice that. And one of the things uh, I is my mantra is to cultivate a practice of contentment, no matter what's happening. It, you, you can sit there and yell at people or, you know, this isn't right or my kid did this. or what, And I think if you just cultivate a practice of contentment and say, I have to be content with it. You know, yeah. So-and-so is, you know, an addict that so-and-so is... Uh, a, a bad person that that my job I have to be content with the fact that I have to have this job because I have to pay my bills I, I need to practice contentment even when I'm not excited about the things that are part of my life I think those are parts of finding yourself mm. it's like um last night I had like a like a pretty shitty fever you know, I was saying before, it was like, right. like just the filter. I'm a little sick. I said a little sex. The, 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 fil <laughs> the filter change on it of like looking in and be like, this is so cool. You know, like my body's immune system is just on point. It's just <gasps> like full inferno, oh, yeah. just blasting. Bring whatever. it on. Yeah. Bring on that freaking infection and let me know. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, I love so when, my, like, when it goes to work. It's so cool. So to actually get to like see that, you know, that sector of your body come online and like, we got you, man. I'm like, oh, all right. I mean, this feels terrible. My throat hurts. Like everything kind of hurts right now. My joints are achy. But at the same time, like getting to step back and witness that. Um, it felt really empowering. <laughs> you know, speaking of empowering, like, what do you think when you work on clients and you and you're doing your workshops and things? Yeah. What are things that you see that you think are like, you know, that you see when you start talking about things? You know, people kind of get a little uncomfortable when you're talking about things. Are there is there anything in your that you're trying to get them to feel something that you feel like is uncomfortable for well, people? I, I typically start pushing people right away is generally the, the thing that I'll do. It depends if I'm doing like a corporate kind Bossy. of something or everybody's wearing, wearing like, you know, suits and ties and stuff like that. Something like be a little more gentle. Um, but it, people are so 
ripe and ready to be different and go outside of the typical box. Mm -hmm. Like everybody wants to dance. I think for the most part, you know, like if you go and you, you know, you have like a, you go to a music thing or whatever and you spent the night like dancing and being goofy and like throwing yourself around and laughing and like, you're never going to get done with that. But like, that was kind of stupid. I felt like, I <laughs> felt kind of stupid. You know? <laughs> like you'll never, it's Did always I like dance that. on the middle of a dance. Floor? I think I was yeah. up on a bar stool dancing. Yeah. What happened? Yeah. I'm like, I don't think I was, I'm, I'm not good with that. I don't think that was good. You know, it's always like, that was like one of the best nights of my year for sure. Yeah. You know? And so giving people, people just want to have an excuse. That's why people drink alcohol. Like alcohol, I think is a placebo as much as it is actually like gets you drunk. And the fact that it's like you, the, the, the bottle represents you expressing shit that you mean to express, mm. You know, but now it's like, oh, it's not me doing this. It's the it's the bottles doing this. So the mm. next day you can say like, oh, well, I was so drunk, you know. Right. You know, so I could. Put the blame on the bottle instead. Put the blame of, on the bottle, mm. you know, so I can I can separate myself from that and access all this shit that I've mean, winning, been meaning to anyway. You know, and so it's I powerful. think that that's essentially what I'm doing with people in, in workshops and such is like representing the bottle. You know, so I'm like, okay, cool. Like I will be the container to be goofy and I'll be the strangest person to start and then we'll he see is how really strange. goofy <laughs> I mean if you rap with this dude for an hour you'll you'll find your inner child and you'll be like give me a ball give me a ball I will play that's good I got it but I got over here he was out on the front lawn doing handstands I like walked around the corner I was like oh look at that guy oh no that of course that's Aaron right yeah. there. of course of course he's doing like he's like a monkey jumping around everything I see uh, from you on social media also you're always i never see you doing like anything normal really there's no normal about you uh you know you are always doing these dynamic movements and you make it look so flowy and so effortless i'm curious in your past like like did were you a cheerleader did you do gymnastics that'd be so cool no i grew up playing ice hockey and like football and just nonsense Oh. Ice hockey's fine. It's a cool sport, but it doesn't really like relate very much to the adult life. Hand-eye coordination, though, man. You got to have good motor skills to be a hockey player. No, it's helpful. But I would have rather wrestled, been a cheerleader, um, done gymnastics, played soccer. Mm-hmm. Like those, I think if you do that, you're like, or done like improvisation or you know, any kind of music stuff. I think those are really like more foundational. Why didn't you do that? I thought they were gay. Ah, uh, yeah. I played the violin for a while, you know, and that was like a thing. It was like, I literally like, it was too effeminate, you know, and now I'm not saying gay. I'm just saying in where my mind was at then, like now uh, yeah. I'm pro all human beings for sure. Um, you know, but at the time that was the thing. It was this too effeminate. So like I've quit. The, I was like good at the violin and I'm like, now I'm like, it's funny. The things that you, as a young kid, the things that you want to start practicing that you think are too effeminate and too like, you know, gay essentially, it's like you're insecure about that because it's like that's what you're making fun of each other for and growing up, which is just such a bummer that that exists. You stop doing that. And then as an adult, those are the things that women are attracted to. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that crazy, right? <laughs> like all of that stuff Mind that you were blowing. insecure about as a but kid. Now it's it- like chicks are like, wow, really? You play the violin? That's that's very sexy. sexy. <laughs> That's it's very got, hot. Yeah, you got like guitars in the other room. It's like, you know, girls would come in here and be like, I'm taking my clothes off. Okay. <laughs> you know, no, seriously. I think I think you're right. I actually think I think that the way that, you know, when we were kids, like, what did boys play with? Trucks. What yep. did the girls play with? Dolls. God forbid a boy played with a doll. Oh, you're gay. Yep. You know, if a girl like I used to be such a tomboy, right? You know, like I'd climb up trees, then I'd be like, down i don't think i could get down yeah right 
and you just have to figure it out, right? right. But I played boys ice hockey. Oh, you played I, hockey? I did. No I played boys. I did. I played exciting. boys lacrosse up until I turned twelve, and then the boys started realizing, like, because you'd wear the helmet, and you know, I had short hair, and I don't know if everybody kind of picked up that I was a boy on the other team, or I wasn't a boy, right? <laughs> I was a boy. I wasn't a boy, uh, and uh, I don't know when they found out that I was boy. Oh boy. They would check me, like push me, and I, I went down one time, and I was the the coach said you can't play anymore, it's too dangerous. You're gonna really get broken, and that was it. My dad said you can't play anymore, huh. and then I got into just doing figure skating and things like that, and then um, softball and soccer, and you know play ball. And Can we stuff. talk about your book specifically? Like what's yeah. like the, what's the what's the main premise? What are you what are you getting across with it? Don't judge a book by its cover, but it's called Melt Performance. And what I mean by performance is um, life performance. You know, finding your inner spirit, your inner warrior, your inner athlete. Uh, to me, you don't need to be an athlete in training. You can be an athlete in your mind. But if you want to perform well, you want to move with ease, uh, then, I, then what this book is really about is redefining stability and learning that stability has nothing to do with how big your muscles are or how, how hard you work out or train. In fact, lots of athletes have a lot of instability. And I mean that on every level, emotional, psychological, chemical, physiological, lots of dysfunction and instability. They're not certain of themselves. They judge themselves. They actually work themselves to the bone. And what I talk about in Melt Performance is how we can create thought viruses and create our lives over emotional distress rather than emotional bliss and it can it could actually turn into bigger manifest itself into physical pain emotional trauma anxiety depression and i kind of try to associate and link how fascia and our nervous system really are the stability systems of our body and learning how to access and tap into stability get quiet get simple get small um, so that you can emerge a more powerful being uh, is really what that book is all about. And I put in seven neuro strength techniques, which is what neurological stabilization techniques is, what neurological reintegration and repatterning are, uh, usually done by a manual therapist. I teach people how to do it to themselves. Mm. Um, and it's all about the setup and it's about focusing on what's staying stable the moment before you move. Um, so it's a very nuanced type of technique. But I feel like, you know, when I wrote that first book, Fascia wasn't fashionable. I always say it. You know, nobody was talking about fascia. When I presented fascia for the first time at the Idea World Conference in 2004, I almost got booed off stage. Like, what is this? Bah, you know, nobody wants to hear about this glycoaminoglycans and fibroblasts. We don't, we just, how do we lift weights? So it was, you know, very, very, very disappointing to me at that, those years. But that's how you develop a language and a methodology is simplifying complex science into this simple, um, uh, methodology that's easy to do. It's easy to apply. It takes about 10 minutes a day to get yourself started. And once you learn how to do it, you really realize just, I think people are kind of surprised how unstable they really are. And as they start to access these components, some people actually doing some of the moves will have like a, a breakdown, they'll like start to cry. Mm. They'll find, because it really does channel those components of real rooting, uh, real stability. And, and again, I mean that like on a physical level as much as a soul level. Yeah. yeah. So what is the role? We have to wrap up kind of yeah. soon. Yeah, because I've got to go teach a class. What time, what time is it now? Do I you, don't know. Do you know? Oh, no, crap. We've been doing this for, all right. Can we... Can you say what the role 
fascia has and stability? Yeah, so fascia is a three-dimensional fluid-based matrix. It's primarily made up of collagen and these interstitial fluids, and the fluids of fascia are actually driving the waste out of fascia. It's a transportation highway drawing fluids from fascia into your lymphatic system. And the collagen matrix is what we call a tensegrity architectural system. So our body is not held into alignment through our bones. Our bones are floating. These, these discontinuous struts are floating in this continuous tensional matrix called fascia and daily living uh, causes a bit of a breakdown in fascia where it becomes uh, it loses its it loses its supple qualities it loses its stiffness to elastic properties what I call cellular dehydration it, it gets stiff like a dried out sponge uh, and daily living create a, creates an impact the more still we are the more damage it creates um, but even repetitive movements can cause a lot of damage to the tissue so if we learn to stimulate the cells of fascia in a more appropriate way we can actually make these very immediate changes both in how we're perceiving our bodies and how our sensory motor control can be applied to dynamic motion so fascia is to me a missing link it's a real vehicle uh, to cellular stability as much as structural stability I wonder what the next fascia will be. I think I think I might just pioneer myself this sensory motor control that's been around since like the 40s. I think I'm going to like, I think if people read this book, I think they're going to be like, she's a, it's like brand new. And I'm going to be like, no, I'm saying it in the book. It's not brand new. I'm just trying to bring it out to the general public. But yeah. I think where fascial research is going, I actually think is going to transform how we're um, dealing with uh, cancer and cancer metastasis and things like that. I think that <laughs> fascia, we're really realizing those uh, pre-lymphatic channels are, are, are actually the, the, the pumps that are pulling the fluid from fascia into lymph. And kind of like how your drain gets clogged with hair just over time, gets a little mungy in there. Those, those pre-lymphatic channels are really the conduit that seem to have the altercation. And if those get backed up, because the fascia becomes stiff, the fluid flow isn't driving itself from fascia to lymph. It's one of the primary things that causes disease. So I think that uh, the, where the fa I mean, what's the next thing after fascia, I think is really understanding how the extracellular matrix and these new, like they just discovered a new cell called the fascia site just in 2018. And they're, and those are the cells that are actually producing hyaluronin, whereas fibroblasts are more the fibrillar, uh, the collagen. Uh, and I think that now that we know that there's another cell producing hyaluronin, there's going to be new research on how to keep that sliding and gliding of the uh, hyaluronic uh, fluids in the tissue and the interstitial fluids to keep the tissue moving. So I think that we're just at the beginning of a huge paradigm of learning about disease uh, and controlling disease. And uh, one of the biggest things that Peter Friedel, who is one of the researchers there, said is, you know, the more we can move the tissue and keep the tissue supple, the, the better, uh, the, the less cancer metastasis you'll have because uh, cancer loves to live in stiff fascia. So mm. keep your body moving is the message. Uh, and and uh, don't get lazy and don't get complacent with your body. Your body's counting on you to get up and move. I always say your body can do amazing things. It's your mind that you have to convince. Mm. Yeah. yeah, the worst thing that can happen to you is nothing at all. Yeah.
Amen to that. <laughs> How do people, where should people go? Where do people grab the book? Where you can, you can go to meltmethod.com. I do uh, events and teacher trainings all around the world. Um, we've got thousands of instructors. You can click on Find Melt and Take Classes. I have an app uh, that you can, uh, every week I do a new video to teach people either a technique or a map or a sequence in the categories of pain, lifestyle, and performance. Uh, I'm also pretty active on social media. You can go to Facebook and look at Melt Method or Instagram and Melt Method. I'm Sue Hitzman. I'm also there as an individual as well. So I am. I'm there. Thanks so much. And where can people find you, Aaron? Oh, a line podcast or Aaron. Yeah, if you guys don't know him, I'm gonna put it up on mine. I'm gonna put it I'm gonna put it on, on this one. Um you should check out his podcast because he has literally how many people have you interviewed? Oh, like 250 or so. We've released like 225, yeah. I think. And so like far. the most amazing people. I mean, you have talked to Every fascinating person <laughs> that I could have ever wanted to meet, I feel like I live vicariously through you. <laughs> I love when I'm when I'm at the gym. I listen to your podcast. Oh, that's, uh, that's it's it's awesome. really wonderful. I think so many of them are, are really great. Stephen Porges. I mean, like I need to get Porges on. Yeah, come on, I, I'm, I'm waiting for it. I know. Come on, He's, I sent him an email. I think one time. Porges, Porges, if you're out there, I'd come love on. to do a conversation. This is with the guy you. to talk to. He, he's he's a conduit. You're a conduit <laughs> to get people out. You know, come on, man. Awesome work that. that you're doing. Big cool. love to you and. Uh, I'm excited for you to come in and get melted today. Yes, we're going to get to it. All right, cool. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Over out. Thank you all so much for tuning into that conversation. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. I am super excited to present to you guys the Align Method online program, which focuses on unwinding some of the deleterious effects of essentially staring into technology. So forward head posture, rolled forward shoulders, and just general collapsey postural patterns and also gets into a movement guide and how to integrate better movement into your life. Uh, so you can check that out at alignpodcast.com slash align method, A-L-I-G-N podcast.com slash align method, or you can find it at the Instagram page, align podcast in the bio. Thank you to the folks that have grabbed the align band, heavy duty resistance band with a door anchor and a free video guide that goes with it. So you can actually just access the free video guide if you want, uh, just to get resistance band exercise in general. It's at alignedband.com, A-L-I-G-N band.com. All right. Thanks guys so much for tuning in. Appreciate you. Enjoy the rest of your day. Pow.